Hi, I'm Ben Rizzuto, wealth strategist at Janice Henderson Investors. Is a brighter future possible? At Janice Henderson, we think it is. For 90 years, we've worked to help clients achieve superior financial outcomes and fulfill our purpose of investing in a brighter future together. We know that this means our thinking and our investments are helping to shape millions of futures. At Janice Henderson, we are committed to helping you invest in a brighter future for the next 90 years and beyond. To learn more, go to JaniceHenderson.com. It's Jim Cramer here. You're listening to the opening bell of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. Don't miss a minute of the action. Good Friday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with Jim Cramer, David Faber at the New York Stock Exchange. Futures did lose their gains after that PPI data. Didn't quite give us the five-handle on year-on-year core we were looking for, up 6-2. Question now is whether bulls worry about CPI next week. Ten years, as Becky said, 3-5. Plenty of earnings to review. Our roadmap begins with the latest read on inflation, coming in hotter than expected, likely complicating the Fed's rate hike policy expectations. Plus, back in the antitrust hot seat, the FTC is suing to block Microsoft's acquisition of Activision Blizzard. And shares of Lululemon are under pressure this morning. This is the retailer offers weak holiday quarter guidance. CEO Calvin McDonald will join us, will join us exclusively in just a few minutes. Let's begin with that uh, hotter than expected for November PPI number, Jim. A lot of it blamed on uh, some services in the financial business, uh, margin loan rates, things like that. Yeah, look, I mean, if you're going to try to slow down uh, spend, if you're going to try to keep people uh, from doing uh, things that are speculative, well, what do you do? You charge more financial services. I mean, I, this is one that's kind of counterintuitive. Uh, and I, I think that maybe this index needs to be a little bit more sharp because you, you want to raise margin rates, David, because you want, don't want people to create their own money. Okay. Okay, that's what you're... All right, then I'll switch because he obviously is not taking the bait at all. Um, one of the things here... <laughs> Processed foods, okay, and feeds advanced 0.7%. Well, all right, so there's a company that has 100 million co- people who are belong to it. It's called Costco. And those, those went down. Foods went down. Um, so, I mean, yes, it's entirely possible that this index has got something going. But I would rather trust uh, Rich Galante, who said that corn, flour, sugar, butter, and steak are all lower. So but, that, but a those 38% are, jump in fresh and dry vegetables? Well, but I just gave you. Yeah, you did. And then uh, chicken and meats, but. Chicken's already down, you know that. Chicken right. wings. But he says meat is down. Mm-hmm. Costco says meat is down. Who do you trust? Chickens are down. Who do you trust? Do you trust this news release from the Labor Bureau? Or do you trust Rich Galanti, who probably serves more food than anybody in the country? Kind of last yesterday's uh, similar uh, conversation at the same time. Who do you trust? The bank CEOs? Or, I mean, you were saying the same thing. I got a lot of bad You're having heat. some trust I got, issues. I want to apologize to Jamie Dimon. I got a lot of bad heat. People say he won't come on my show. So I apologize. But you're having some trust issues, I think. No, I just like companies that have data that is from the companies that we talk about in tech that is up to the minute that morning, as opposed to something that is processed over, like as if as if we've never heard of the cloud. I'm listening to, to Rich Galanti last night, giving numbers as of last night, and I trust them more than I trust this news release. Yeah, we're so gonna, should you. We're going to get to what Broadcom certainly said and what Sienna oh. said earlier in the week, sort of totally going against the narrative, at least regarding tech, right? Uh, the Broadcom was, I mean, I, it was like happy days are here again. Now, Hawk Tan is uh, someone, as David knows, is very tough, but he also, also tells a very positive narrative. He's never really said anything negative about his own business. Rarely. But uh, 
I, I, and, but he's always been focused on cutting costs. But, like he's but a guy I, who, you know, doesn't but, take a potential recession for him to be focused. Semiconductor solutions up 26%, wireless plus 13%, hypers, hy, uh, hypers, uh, all the hypercomputing, you know, uh, cloud up terrifically. Gross margins went up uh, 110 bips. Uh, this is, he's fully booked for almost everything involving hyperscale. It was one of those calls that was, uh, wow, Hawk should have just, Hawk should be here. I usually hear from Hawk. I didn't hear from Hawk. Pretty amazing. We talked to multiple CIOs at the largest enterprise customers we have. We have not seen them talk about a reduction in their IT spend. I thought that was an amazing conference call. And it does call into question a lot of the negativity that I hear from a lot of business people. Because, you, look, you may think Hawk Tan is a tough guy. Remember, the VM is not closed yet. But, David, I got to tell you, after reading Broadcom, I said maybe some other companies aren't doing as well. Maybe that's what's happening. What would account for that, though? He's got good product, and he's got low price, and he's tough. Good he's product, tough low deal. price. He usually has the product that's basically the monopoly product. Ah, speaking of monopolies, it gets us to our, uh, our, place? our next not? story, oh, which, no, of course, uh, late yesterday, or uh, yesterday, uh, Microsoft's uh, deal oh, to I have a wrap on that you'll love. Activision. So go ahead. I'm going to go through a few things here because I, I do want people to understand sort of what really is going on in the playing field, particularly from an investor perspective. But, of course, as you probably are aware, uh, the FTC taking action to uh, stop that deal and a complaint filed with the administrative law judge. And we'll get to that in a minute because it is a bit different, uh, although it is not necessarily of great importance. A few things to, to share here. Um, a, in speaking to as many people as I could about the complaint itself, most are uh, unimpressed. Unimpressed with the arguments being made uh, in the complaint by the government at this point. Um, it's, there's no economic data to support their contention. There's nothing, no economic analysis. It's Microsoft may do that, or they could do this. Um, no real supportive proof or evidence at this point. Doesn't mean the government won't come up with some, but at this point, many, uh, at least who've read this complaint, are unimpressed, let's call it. And don't believe the FTC will win. Uh, as a result, uh, they define, for example, a, a high-end market, a high-end gaming market. They leave Nintendo out. They just said, okay, it's just, it's just PlayStation and Xbox in this high-end gaming market. But there are many different components of, or the lack of argument, at least cited by those who, um, who are students of these things. Again, these can go over time. Yes. I'm a student. Yes. Okay. I know that something called Tide House Rules, federal law, 1934, coming out of the Depression. You, a liquor company cannot own a restaurant because it would favor that restaurant. So the doctrine here is that a computer company, a software company, Microsoft, that makes Xbox, cannot own the, li the liquor the, the so-called restaurant, they can't do it because they'll favor that restaurant. They'll favor their own right, restaurant. The vertical integration now, as this, opposed to horizontal. Now, this is not, still right. the law of the land, as insane as it is, but the federal government has at times said, look, you can't own both because you'll favor your own product over someone well, else. Well, that is the argument being made here is, is but exactly it's, it's that, except that, of course, specious. we also know Microsoft has reached out, for example, to Nintendo with a 10-year deal. They've been willing to offer the same thing to Sony. Wait, so what's this? Sony has been by far the single largest uh, critic of the deal, and um, they were offered that same 10-year for Call of Duty. Uh, they're not interested. Perhaps no. they want it in perpetuity. 
Uh, but again, you know, uh, let me get to the second point here, because while we will talk a lot about this complaint uh, and uh, administrative law judge right now, by the way, Microsoft and Activision can close their deal. An administrative law judge does not have the power to actually enjoin the transaction. So they could close the deal prior to any hearing scheduled for all the second. But this is going to go at some point to a federal district court where they're going to try and seek an injunction, the, the government. But let me let me back up a bit before that and talk about what is cited as the single most important impediment to a potential transaction. And it's not the FTC. It is uh, the UK. It is the CMA, uh, their antitrust authority. That is where the focus is right now. That is where you will find people um, with the most questions. Uh, okay. You know, here's a JP Morgan note this morning. Uh, we think the UK CMA is the biggest risk given their traditional opposition to behavioral remedies and it's more difficult to appeal a UK uh, CMA um, decision. Uh, we're going to get a sense from the CMA, I think, let's call it towards the end of January, in terms of their phase two findings. That should give us a real sense as to how they're coming out on the transaction. Not a lot at this point to really go on. They look at things different than we do in terms of their antitrust laws opposed to what we, we look at. You can do a quick appeal. But as you just uh, heard me read from J.P. Morgan, and it is true, there's a harder burden of proof there. So that is right now where at least the investment community is most focused in terms of a true uh, impediment to this deal. Not this case, at least, we've got from the FTC. Not, by the way, the prospect of the EU, which most believe will, um, you know, maybe there'll be some remedies, but will say yes. And not even SAMR, the antitrust authority in China. It is the U.K.'s CMA. Finally, Jim, let me just end on my points here that were this deal to break for whatever reason, perhaps opposition from the CMA, perhaps you get to July 18th and Bobby Kotick says, I'm not going to extend uh, our merger agreement beyond the termination date. I'm going to take my three billion in uh, reverse break and my uh, break fee. I'm going to um, have the cash that I have on hand and I'm going to go back to running this company. There are those who believe the downside here is fairly limited for Activision shares. Um, an ar- now, by the way, we'll see, because we've heard that argument many times in the past. And then often when a deal actually does collapse, you'll see the potential acquirer stock go down fairly significantly. Why do they believe that, though? 465 in EPS next year. You put an EA multiple on that and add back in what could be as much as $13 a share in cash if you add in the $3 billion uh, termination fee. And they simply say, hey, you can get to a stock price that says at least 70, if not more. So that's where a lot of the invest community stands right now. Got a lot more to go here. Obviously, I don't want to make light of the government's action here, but many don't take it that seriously, given the lack of strength of the case that they've read in those 30 plus pages. Well, my only problem is, again, but my consistent problem is, is that this government, this branch, this agency hates mergers and will go to great lengths even uh, twist doctrine in order to try to stop something. Even if they lose, what this does do is say to another company, you know what, look, this Microsoft deal, this was, there was nothing wrong with this deal at all, and they rejected it. You, your deal better have, like, it's like what she's basically saying, listen, unless you're a liquor company and you're buying a toy company, like, forget about it. I mean, there's just no, no, honestly. If right. there's, well, if that, there's any is, sort of it synergy, it's no good. Lena Khan does not believe in behavioral remedies, and this is, a, is this well, intended to if you're send Albertson, a chilling effect to those who would if, consider undertaking these large kinds of transactions. If you're Albertson Kroger right now, just 
just break it up. Yeah, well, that's a DOJ. It's a DOJ review. Well, right? no, no. Canner is probably going to kick that to FTC. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Right, when we come back, an exclusive this morning with Lululemon's Calvin McDonald, company's holiday quarter guidance uh, weighing on the stock today, although a lot of the prints pretty good. Uh, we'll get to DocU and RH and Lulu and Cost and some calls this morning on Netflix, the casinos and coin. Don't go anywhere. Canva presents stories to keep you up at night. It was an ordinary work day until the Singapore presentation is at 3 a.m. The office was shocked. That's when we sleep. Maya made it less scary with Canva. <laughs> I'll just record my presentation so Singapore can watch it anytime. Record and present anytime with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. is what I think an oddity. Lululemon reported third quarter last night, and it was a clear earnings beat. The stock, though, is down sharply on current quarter guidance, which some say, some say, was below analyst expectations. Joining us exclusively is Lululemon CEO Calvin McDonald. Calvin, let's start right now with the fact, how is holiday season going so we can get a real sense of what's happening? <laughs> uh, morning, Jim. Um, as we've shared, we are tracking and monitoring our guest uh, spending uh, behaviors. And in Q3, we saw continual, very strong response to traffic, to transactions of existing guests, of new guests, and very balanced growth across our men's and women's lines across North America and international. And that obviously drove our quarter results. And heading into Q4, we haven't seen any change in those guest metrics. I shared uh, record-breaking uh, Black Friday, Thanksgiving weekend sales. But there are some key trading weeks ahead um, and the guidance of 23 to 24% growth on a three-year CAGR uh, really reflects um, sort of the, the quarter to come versus where we're sitting, which uh, I'm very uh, I'm very happy with where we're at uh, from a quarter-to-date perspective. All right, good. I, that, uh, the expectations got very high. One of the things that I thought was very interesting is your top-line growth is trending in the high 20s, actually the high 20s, uh, and it was a mid-teens annual target is what we were looking for. So is there not some misperception that somehow you have fallen down on the job when you're actually ahead of what you told us when you had your big conference? Uh, as you mentioned, our power of three times two growth strategy, uh, we're in the first year of that. We got it to a 15% CAGR through that period to double the business to $12.5 billion. Um, and we achieved 27% three-year CAGR in the quarter, and we got it to 23 24% in Q4. Uh, so we're pleased where we sit. Uh, our, our strategies are resonating. They're working. Uh, we put on 1.5 uh, points of market share last quarter, uh, the most we've ever put on in a quarter. Uh, the product continues to sell at full price. Uh, we guided to a markdown ratio equal to that of 2019 as we reset 
uh, and we uh, we achieve those numbers. So we have great uh, pricing power, great momentum. Uh, the guests are resonating with the new product. Our traffic and new guest acquisitions are strong. So one year into our five-year growth plan, we're sitting in a very good position and have a lot of confidence in our business moving forward. And I think it's important for others who are watching to note that nobody I follow in the retail business has these numbers or anywhere near them. Let me do some positive. I think international can double. I think men's can double. I think accessories can double. Those to me explain that you are not late in the game, but early in the game. Uh, we agree. Actually, our power of three times two is to quadruple our international business. Um, and I've shared before that as we look forward, uh, you know, our international North American uh, business can be 50% of the revenue of the company. And today, uh, it represents 17%. We're having success in every market we're in. In Europe, we opened two stores in Spain, uh, incredibly successful. Our Asia Pacific markets are all contributing, driving growth. There isn't a market we're in that isn't double digit growth around the globe um, and uh, being driven through product, being driven through our community efforts, which connect us to our guests and our unique D2C model. All right, I want to be sure people understand you point blank say here. Mainland China playing a big part of that performance. You're not one of those people who's either banning China or being concerned about near-term uh, uh, near issues, as I, I imagine. Uh, no, we saw 70% growth on a three-year uh, CAGR last quarter, and that is with um, you know stores and the teams being challenged with uh, COVID uh, outbreaks. Uh, so we're, we're very confident in our business. We have great brand momentum in market and excited. We continue to invest, opening incredible stores uh, and seeing success across both tier one, tier two cities uh, and both physical and our dot-com channels. So uh, it's exciting to see the momentum of the brand in the market. And it is a big part of us quadrupling our international over the next uh, uh, five years. Uh, Mr. McDonald's David Faber, in the near term, particularly in this holiday season, I'm just curious to get your senses to the consumer. Uh, are they as strong as they have been? Are you a bit concerned, perhaps, that there is starting to uh, you know, be some weakness that's, that's being shown? Uh, morning, David. We haven't seen any weakness uh, with our consumer. We're well aware of the macro environment. We're well aware that many other uh, uh, retailers in the malls are heavily discounting. Uh, we have not. We don't see a need to. Uh, regular price is driving our business. Um, and as we look forward, uh, what I would just call out versus last year, where we saw a lot of gift giving pulled forward uh, into the quarter, uh, it really started to just tick up uh, over the Thanksgiving weekend. So uh, that would suggest there's a lot of gift giving still to come. Uh, and, uh, and that's what we're tracking and looking for. But on a quarter-to-date basis, our guest metrics uh, remain very healthy, and I shared the Q3 ones, and there's no change in, in that behavior. Um, but it is the gift-giving uh, in this quarter that's critical, and behavior is pushing it. Uh, it appears to be closer to the holiday than last year when the headlines were shop early. Uh, hey, uh, Calvin, um, some on the street point out that Lulu has a history of guiding pretty conservatively in December and then raising in January. Any reason to think that pattern might be broken? <laughs> uh, we are we're pleased where we're at uh, from a from a from a quarter to date perspective and feel the guidance of 
uh, 23 to 24% under the circumstances of, of, of some of the topics we discussed is, is the appropriate and right guidance at this point. And the team's already in focus and we have the product and what we've seen through uh, the Thanksgiving weekend is the product continues to resonate, requiring new guests as well as our existing guests engaging with us. So we're excited about the holiday season, but there's some critical weeks still ahead for us. Yeah, uh, you know, and I know Jim asked you a bit about this, but you know, this the, some of the analysts being concerned about what they called higher inventory than they might have expected, and your CFO obviously defending that. Can you give our viewers a sense as to why they should not be concerned? Uh, about, obviously, what was a, a growing inventory level at the company at this point? Uh, no, for sure. Uh, inventory came into where we guided, and we did say Q3 would be the, the, the high point of our inventory numbers. It's a combination of uh, where our manufacturer partners were and their ability to fulfill uh, our orders, uh, a combination of managing ocean and air and trying to get ahead of that uh, balance uh, and costs on shipping. Um, and on a three-year CAGR, it's up 38% on a unit basis on a growth of 27%. So we're definitely sitting slightly, well, we are sitting above our growth number, but with almost half of that inventory being core non-seasonal inventory, uh, those uh, investments we believe have helped fuel our demand we're selling at full price and we're well positioned for the holiday heading into Q1 and we will start to now be able to work those inventory numbers down. Um, but we don't see and haven't called out any concern or risk. All right, uh, Kevin, let me just ask why I know a little about out left field, but I had an interview yesterday with Mark Benioff and he talked about how his co-CEO, uh, Brett Taylor, he did a great amount of work for, uh, he was chairman of Twitter. Now you are on the board of Disney. I know Disney just had a big change at the top. Is this the type of thing that just takes much more time from a, a, a good CEO from a good company than you can afford to spend? Uh, I don't believe so at all. Um, it's, uh, uh, it's an opportunity to equally uh, to share and to learn, uh, which you can take back to, uh, to your business, in my case, to Lululemon. Um, so I'm very proud to sit on the, the Disney board uh, and work with my peers there. Uh, and I'm 100% focused uh, working with our management team here at Lululemon. And I think the results uh, indicate the strength of this team in, in challenging in a challenging environment. And when you look to our peer sets, uh, you know, we are uh, succeeding through our power of three times two growth plan as a result of the strength of this team uh, and the product innovation and how we're all applying creativity to how we're moving forward. Excellent. Thank you, Calvin. It's great to talk to you. I agree with you. The stock went up and ahead. There's nothing wrong with this one. Good to see you, sir. Thank you for coming on. Thank you. Happy holidays. Let's get one more look at futures here on this Friday before we get the opening bell in about six minutes. More Squawk on the Street when we come back. Welcome to the Canva guided meditation for stress at work. Impending deadline? Generate Canva presentations in seconds. So fast. Brainstorm got too big. Summarize with AI in a click. Click, click, click. Writer's block. Release with Canva Magic Write. Magical. Stress less and save time at canva.com. Designed for work. Futures remain in the red after uh, PPI comes a little warm. Uh, Ten-year gets to 353 after the print, not too far away from that level right now. We're still on pace 
for a fairly large weekly loss, even with Thursday's bounce. Opening bell coming up in a few minutes. Let's get to the opening bell this morning. Final one of the week. And the CNBC real-time exchange of the big board. It's Get Around, a car-sharing marketplace celebrating its listing via SPAC. And at the NASDAQ, it's the Miss America organization. So, Jim, with today's data, are you worried about CPI next week? I'm less worried about CPI than I am worried about PPI because we have, oh, apropos perhaps to this company, we have used cars have come down a great deal, which is a very, very big part of what's happening. Uh, I don't have to worry about the services line. I do think that we keep hearing that uh, eating at home has gotten a little bit, a little bit uh, less expensive. Obviously, gasoline, terrific. So, no, I'm not sweating the program CPI. Is that... Sunday night football aspects of what I'm hearing, meaning I can't hear you at all. <laughs> yeah, the hearing gets tough. Each year that goes by, for some reason, it gets tougher for me. I'm not quite sure why that is. Well, it's the 12th man. It's the 12th man situation. It is the 12th man situation. Maybe we can just do a, that thing with the leg on the snap, right? Yeah, exactly. Oh, right, let's do silent count. That's our quarterback. We're listening for Omaha. <laughs> Well, you mentioned used cars, Jim. Uh, got another downgrade of Carvana today. Yeah, what's the game goes to hold. Uh, Adam Jonas yesterday saying that the Mannheim Index, which you looked at earlier, that we, yes. you could have 20% declines in used cars next year. The used cars are incredible, and I think people have to recognize that you know, Carvana is a giant force in used car. Giant. So, I mean, you've got, you're going to have a lot of used cars around. Now, you know, David Hertz uses Carvana as a place to be able to trade cars. To sell their old cars. So there are, right. this is something that had been the, really the bane of the CPI existence was the fact that you couldn't buy a new car, so used cars went through any price we've ever seen. Now we're back to August 2021, not down enough, but the trend is clear. So if you're a pal, you do 50, not 75. Because of Carvana? No. No. <laughs> not because of Carvana. <laughs> How about maybe oil, right? That's that's B of A this morning. Thank oil you. crashing means it's 50, 25, yeah. 0. See, David, there's this thing. I'm going to demonstrate. Uh-oh. He's standing for, up, yeah. Carl. Okay. This is trouble. So, first of all, depends on the side, okay? Um, for mine, it's the left side. You pull up this thing. It's called a pump. You pick this up. This is amazing. It smells like gasoline. And then you look, and it says 335. But then you say, I don't want regular. I'm going what my father used to call high test. I cook premium. It's 365. And I say to yourself, say to myself, that was $5 not that long ago. This thing's come down in price. Yes. That's what happens in America. Got it. Okay. I will uh, I will make sure to think about that. And you can top it off. That's something that people do. Well, they top how, it off. How about JPM yesterday, Kalanovic saying sell oil here and buy it 30 percent okay, lower? I read that. And there is some truth to the idea that Russia is going to flood. The United States could look the other way. And it is good for Europe uh, and that Europe will actually get its get all the oil at once. So I, I think there's some truth to that. And I don't want that. No, sorry, because my. Chapel Trust has, a, has a, a decent percentage of oil, but I think that thesis is a good thesis. Really? Yeah. Because he's talking about oil outright and anything surrounding oil. Well, I just think that there might have been some sort of compromise between our country and Europe that, that said, look, we'll let you, ha- you know, we're going to look the other way here uh, because the Ukraine war was going to send oil up during the winter. 
I, I, it's just I keep hearing. I mean, I know that we're not we're not sending a lot of the weapons we could to Ukraine, but we do want to keep Europe as part of the coalition and not decide. You know what? We need a separate piece, a separate piece, David, because of the price of oil would just be. Uh, it's not Munich, but it it, it would be a repugnant uh, way to be able to end this war. It would to pressure Ukraine because of higher prices at the pump. I just demonstrated, by the way, the whole pump situation. I, I know you did. Now, now I'm, use, I thank you for doing that because I was unaware. Use, it looks like it's it's cheap, but it's leaders. Yes, in Europe it's leaders. Europe overall energy costs are a lot higher, whether it's filling yes, up your are. car or whether it's uh, powering your home or, or a factory. Right. Far higher. We've talked a great deal about that, and it's still early in the winter. We haven't really even begun. How so sunny we'll is it in Germany? Not sunny enough sometimes, uh, or right. not windy enough. That actually is it even is, more Germany of a concern sometimes when you're not getting that North Sea wind sometimes to power some of these wind turbines. But what do you think about the idea that we would sell out, that the West would sell out Ukraine for cheap oil if it weren't for, you know. Some well, we haven't done it yet, have we? No, we've, I think we've made, I think there's a deal. I think we've made a deal. I said, well, you can look the other way. We're going to look the other way. You can go get all your oil. You stick with us in the coalition. Okay, I think I understand what you're saying. I'm saying we're worried about the coalition staying together right. during, the, during the winter months. Do you think that cheaper gas can make the environment brighter than Gary Friedman appears to think it is over at RH? I, I felt so horrible after I finished RH that I told my wife, you know, <laughs> why are we buying all this stuff from RH? I mean, it sounds like it's going to come down in price. And, I, you know, look, I think Gary is an emotional executive who's excellent. But he made me feel very, very down. It was not unlike a large bank, I'm not going to mention the name, which also felt that things were bad. He said a widespread discounting continues across our industry. He gets two sale emails per day from promotions. Business trends will continue to deteriorate. I've never been more uncertain about the present. Wow. David? Never. I was going to order stuff, and I said, you know what? Maybe I should wait. Um, he is always or often outspoken on the conference call, Mr. Friedman. But to hear him say, I've never been more uncertain. I thought that was, I, I was wondering whether that was hyperbole. Is he forgetting how uncertain hyperbole. he's been in the past? Because well, I can remember him saying somewhat similar things. I remember when he used to have a piano sonata going on and I wanted to buy the heck out of this stuff. Mm. But this makes you think, well, wait a second. Maybe, I mean, this is really the problem. I'm not being facetious. I read that and I told Lisa, I said, maybe maybe there's going to be some discounts if we just hold on. Right. And that's the kind of thing that can build. And I don't want that. I don't want that because I think that it's, it's not the worst time, and that unless Gary's business is specifically falling off a cliff, which it does not seem like, I don't know if that language is, uh, is supportive of the situation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. DocuSign? You guys, I'm sure you have seen it. Not, it's better than Fear. BTF, did. It's a lot better just, than Fear. It's just BTF. No, it's not uh, LBTF. No, it's just I, BTF. But I pointed out because, of course, we've often talked about DocuSign being a pandemic play, being down 70-plus percent. But this morning, the stock is up substantially. New um, CEO. I guess third quarter billings were up uh, 17% versus consensus and they of 4%. Have new, they have new products coming. I, I've checked in with them. They've got some new things coming. So it's not, 
there, it, it's not one and done. There's some more things coming there. Well, you said earlier this week on Mad that you thought Chewy and Doc, you had spent enough time in purgatory. Yes, and Chewy, had, I, mean, I know Chewy's down, but Chewy, I thought, had a very good conference call. And uh, there's just no end to the uh, this brilliant strategy they have with, with uh, Lemonade for insurance. You know, pets, when, they, when you have something wrong with a pet, and David, you have a pet. I do. Holy cow. We all they, do. We you all, need yes. health care insurance. I mean, you need like United Health for pets, and they have got a very good healthcare plan. My my dog has better health insurance than we do. Well, how uh, dog? What do you get? Crowns? Oh, I mean, they'll out? actually pay something occasionally. <laughs> I love it when you rail the, the house insurance policies. I'm sorry. It is. I, I, I wish I didn't have to. No, no, you're look. You're right. I mean, the operations for animals, of which you pay any price for because they're yours, yeah, are very expensive. They are. They are. And that's why I think Chewy is correct in teaming up with a healthcare provider to give it so that you have more reasonable insurance because people who have pets need to have pet insurance or else you're going to spend $3,000 on an operation at the University of Pennsylvania. Is that where you'd send your uh, Absolutely. Your, your, your Absolutely. friend? Yeah. I would not go to New York for, for an operation for a pet. I would go right to, right to Hub. University, it's known yeah. for its... I go to, yeah, it yeah. is known. I, I the veterinary schools there are the best in the country. I'm, I'm learning things every day here at this desk. You want to go in the best. Why show up? I mean, what, you're going to like, hey, just, you would not check it around I before? would do anything for Scoop, whatever he needs. Well, then it's Hop. Yeah. yeah no, not quit. I don't it's want true. him to have to go to Infinite Hup. elasticity when it comes I, to I don't want. I don't want him to have to go to Hub. No, right? no, he's doing well. He's great. All right, well, strong. It's, he's a strong cool. six. I feel so good. Uh, Costco, two-month low. I oh, mean, can uh, we just, all right, all right, all right. Now, Rich Galanti, who is the CFO, tells a tale where he basically says it's not if you're going to get the special dividend, it's when. Uh, there's some people who are nitpicking and talking about his e-commerce not doing that well. I come out and say everybody who is a merchant should be jealous of what you heard on Costco last night. I mean, they are, he had to downsize his fleet. Remember, he had a fleet of, of, of that hurt his numbers. Yes. He had a, a fleet of, of container ships, but they did save $1,000, $2,000 per containers for 50,000 containers, adding 24 new stores. The gasoline business is not as good because gasoline's come down in price, hence why I don't mind the CPI. And I have to tell you that this is a situation where the U.S. traffic is extraordinary, and you sell this one at your own peril. My travel trust does own it, and I felt terrifically about the coal. Terrific. Anybody who does, knows Costco knows that Rich Galanti, who is really one of the best CFOs, if not the best CFO in the country, would, would signal if things were weaker. TVs are the only thing that I heard that I was worried about. They're still being bought, but in smaller sizes. That's the only thing I heard that made me feel at all suspe- suspect about the consumer. At all. Uh, we didn't hear it from Calvin McDonald. He uh, continued to say this consumer is strong and is uh, right into this holiday season, starting to see the gift-giving building. That, that stock's down. I mean, look, um, people Lulu are just... is down about 7%. Of course, well, we were just know. joined by Mr. McDonald. But now, his stock had run big, Mr. McDonald. Costco's already down. My travel trust did sell some higher. I hated that. We've owned it forever, and I sold some. But I just said, I think it's just going to go down because the November numbers weren't that good. But at a certain point, if you don't own Costco and you're a member of Costco, you know that it just gets better and better. And they're holding the line on chickens, David. They're holding the line on chickens. I'm glad to hear that. Uh, Well, Mr. McDonald says Lulu's holding the line on price. Take a listen. We have great uh, pricing power. 
great momentum. Uh, the guests are resonating with the new product. Our traffic and new guest acquisitions are strong. So one year into our five-year growth plan, we're sitting in a very good position and have a lot of confidence in our business moving forward. There you had it. Well, I just think the stock's down. You know, people are, are very downbeat. Uh, I think people feel, well, wait a second, if everybody's doing badly, how could Lulu be doing well? If everybody's doing badly, how could Costco be doing well? I think we're talking about better operators. You can sell the stock. The stocks are expensive. But in the end, you're going to want to come back, in part because these people do it better. They are just better at what they do. It's okay. And they have a longer runway. The international runway here is extraordinary. Well, we do have some betting on, say, Bed Bath, right? A little third point action there. Uh, stock has not quite uh, topped out earlier highs in the past few days. Well, Bed Bath, I think, problematic situation. I'm oh, sorry, I meant Bath and Body. Oh, bed, oh, oh, yeah, the, uh, you know, a little saber rattling there doesn't bet. That company's not that bad. The best, the last numbers weren't that bad. Uh, Costco Bath does and Body it. Works, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at Helene Meiser, one of my favorite technicians, who's saying that Costco has to hold right here. I follow her on Twitter, so let's see if that, if it does hold. Um, guys, it's been a while since we mentioned SPACs. We used to do to do our SPAC data, all that on Fridays. Do you have but, like a video? Well, no, we should point out that um, this company that just went public, despacked here at the New York Stock Exchange, GETR. Thank you. It's been so long. Uh, 94% uh, redemptions. Um, the new symbol is GETR, and they're celebrating here, but it's not particularly great um, debut. Uh, stock's down 66 Percent. Can you explain that to people so people? No, understand? excuse me. It's down eighty. No, wait. Now it's down. Yeah, sixty-seven. Can you explain to people how that's possible? Because they are looking around. They're hearing lots of people, and they're thinking this is great excitement. It, it, they're how are people doing if they if they bought it? Well, it's one of the. We talked a lot about this dynamic where you get a deal approved. At the same time, you have a huge number of people who redeem want their ten dollars right. back. So again, obviously, getting your ten bucks back here was a smart move. You're talking about a three dollar stock um, down almost six bucks. I don't know if we have it for people to show. So that was the smart move at this point. Although we have occasionally seen strange situations where, in fact, because there are so few shares actually outstanding, you get an enormous short squeeze in the right. stock for That's, a brief period Getty of time. And grinder. And grinder. Uh, that is not occurring here. Uh, you've simply got a significant fall in the stock price. Um, Reynolds, rental car, I don't even want to, I, I haven't looked closely at the business model, I have to admit, Jim. So um, yeah. I'll leave it at that. But uh, but we did want to mention that the stock is down sharply. Apparently, we don't have it to show people. I, I, I feel badly. I mean, when Getty, Getty's a very good company. I remember for his first iteration, it spiked to 30, and there were people saying, well, I got to get on this. This thing's going to the moon. Um, and then they just lost everything. And it, yeah, it, we're, what we're seeing a lot of what we're seeing in SPAC land is that there are still deals that are de In other words, they found their sponsor, they've gone through the process, and they are coming public uh, or on their own uh, once they've de But we are also seeing many SPACs give up the hunt uh, and just return the money. Um, that is happening a lot more. Don't have the updated data for you. Oh, we'll get it at some point. We'll share a lot of it. But because there's just not a lot of opportunity seen out there. And by the way, people don't want to end up with something like that. Yes. Now, David, is there enough money? Because Gina Francola shared with me our, our set of systems. Ours, yeah. 
David, the sheer amount of money that is in SPACs that is coming back to people, actually, I thought might actually kind of hit the needle. That's, a, that's an interesting question. I mean, you could make an argument that those who invested in SPACs that are then returning the capital actually did fine. In a market that's down, whatever we're down, the S&P 16.7%. Right, they, they, they did do You fine. came out even. That's a great point. That's a really great point. Better than they did in their checking account. Yes. Uh, so That's a very good point. There is that. But whether that money will end up back in the market, I think we'll see. That's what I was wondering. I mean, could it go back in the market? I think that the market needs a shot in the arm, Carl. We've talked about it being forced savings, in a sense, yes, uh, for the better savings. part of uh, great two term. years. Yeah. Great term. Uh, we got green uh, after... Futures did take that spill. S&P up four points. Let's get to Bob Pisani. Hey, Bob. Morning, guys. Happy Friday. Uh, this is really quite a victory for the Bulls. We dropped 60 points on the S&P initially uh, at 8.30 Eastern time when the PPI came out a little bit hotter than expected. Uh, now, we were up prior to this, but again, this is really quite remarkable. Uh, let's take a look at the sectors. A couple things I want to point out. We're seeing uh, metals again on the upside. Some of the uh, reverberation of the China trade, industrials are okay. Uh, energy is flat today, but that's kind of remarkable even then. Uh, and semiconductors are positive. So sort of growth sectors risk on, like metals and mining and semiconductors are up. I want to show you energy stocks. We're flat on energy, but some of the big names, the higher beta names, were generally trading up at the open, like APA, EOG. Halliburton was also up. It's flat now in Marathon. This is rather remarkable here when you consider the fact uh, that oil is sitting near the lows for the year. Energy stocks are not really buckling at all. They're off of their highs, but they're not even close to really buckling. Just let me show you uh, the, the chart here. This is what's very strange about this. So there's the, the orange is oil prices. And the bottom is energy stocks. And beginning in the middle of October, they have diverged. Now, they, they don't necessarily always move one for one on a daily basis, but they tend to move in the same direction. This is a little strange, the divergence uh, with, uh, with oil. That's the white line. I'm sorry. Oil is moving to the downside so dramatically and energy stocks holding up so well. So it's easy to say somebody's wrong. Remember, though, oil it re- reflects near term. This is a contract that is the near term oil price contract, whereas energy stocks reflect the opinions of investors six to 12 months out. So they don't necessarily diverge on the time horizon. Investors in energy stocks believe that oil is going to hold up better and maybe even be up more next year. They may be wrong, but they're not necess- these two are not necessarily divergent in their opinion. As for where the markets are right now, again, this remarkable turnaround. Remember what the story is here for the bulls. Uh, inflation is high, but trending down. That's the key story. And I think why we are holding up so well to Today. That story is predominant. Inflation was the 2022 story, and the re- extent of the recession is the 2023 story. Now, the problem today and for the last few weeks is that the earnings un- numbers are all over the place of what's going to happen on 2023. And it depends on where you are on that recession story. So Bloomberg had a story out this morning, 134 fund managers. They're expecting earnings to be up 10 percent next year. Heavens, that is really optimistic. Most of the strategists are flat to down now. So here's the Q4. It's already down slightly, but Q1 2023, Q2, let's call that fairly flattish at this point, given the range that you could possibly have. Uh, but if you look with BlackRock, they just had their earnings outlook today. I think they're much more reflective of the typical strategist. We find that earnings expectations don't yet price in even a mild recession. We do expect to turn more positive on risk assets at some point in 2023, but we are not there yet. So there's the question, Carl. Where are you on that? In a real notable recession, earnings would typically decline 10 to 20 percent. Right now, expectations up about 4 percent. 
Big divergence of opinions. Carl, back uh, to you. Indeed, Bob. Thanks, Bob Pisani. As we go to break this morning, let's take a look at bonds. Obviously, yields did spike a bit on PPI this morning. Got to 353 or so on the 10-year. Uh, currently around similar levels. Of course, uh, the big, the granddaddy is going to come next week when we get CPI. Uh, in and out of the green to start this session. Dow's down 40. Early possibility of an inside day for the NASDAQ 100, down about 30 points. Some of the laggards for the week so far, led by Lucid. Uh, Elon Musk uh, tweeting a bit earlier that the company's, quote, not long for this world, uh, followed by Lulu. Of course, we talked to Calvin McDonald a few moments ago. Dow's down 86. Back in a minute. The third thing we saw in the third quarter was a more measured environment. And we realized that CEOs are kind of buckling down. They kind of saw there's a storm ahead. They're not sure. The stocks are down. You know, we're not the only stock down. The market is down. That's Benny off with Jim last night. Jim, you said you were going to look for answers last. Well, I felt very good about him. I think that that we asked every tough question you could ask, and I felt uh, better. Stocks down 50 percent. Stock shows is the lowest multiple that I've seen uh, buy back. There are uh, many forces in the. I'd say uh, the long knives are out for, because of the changes. Mark said he's there to stay, there to run it. I think it's a buy. I'm telling people from my travel trust, same thing. No co-CEOs seen in the future? No, no just going to be him. A lot of stocks are down that are doing quite well. For them. All right, good week. We did some good work. Wild week. Uh, we'll see Wild you tonight. Week. Okay. Uh, Mad Money, 6 p.m., of course. When we come back, Roger McNamee, some reaction to that FTC suit to block Microsoft Activision when we return. You've been listening to the opening bell on CNBC's Squawk on the Street. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash credit card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like season tickets to watch your favorite team, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like paying for parking. That's the beauty of the Active Cash credit card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash credit card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash.